Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. If You Market is brought to you by Mountaintop Data and Joto PR. I'm Sky Cassidy. I'm your host, and today we'll be talking with Matt Berman of Emerald Digital about competition, capitalism, and uh, yes, ultimately that means we're talking about what happens to marketers if Google gets broken up. Uh, so. Matt is the president of Emerald Digital. That's a full-service digital marketing agency. He has founded uh, three companies and helped drive over a billion in sales for clients. He's an avid guitar player and can be found uh, causing mischief in New Orleans, I hear, uh, but uh, also a family man. <laughs> Just a little bit of mischief. How's it going, Sky? Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm uh, thrilled to be here. Yeah, it's going great. I'm really excited to have you on. Today is an interesting topic. I have been joking leading up to this topic that after today, we may not be able to find Matt online anymore because we may say some not so nice things about Google at some point. I'm definitely hoping not to get scrubbed. We, uh, we work alongside Google on many, many things. So we've had an, an, an excellent partnership. So everything that we say here is in the interest of best practices moving forward and how to provide a better user experience for all of us as not only marketers, but as clients, customers, anyone using online search tools to find what we need to find. Fantastic. Yes, Google, we probably all use Google every day. I have Google Docs in front of me right now for this podcast on Google Chrome. <laughs> um, <laughs> there is Google everywhere all around us. And as much as I believe some of the stuff we might uh, get to saying today might not be friendly towards Google, plenty of it will be friendly towards Google. And ultimately, the point of this podcast is not to say Google big and bad, um, at least on my part. Maybe Matt's going to go there. I don't know. But uh, the point is to say Google is a very large company. It looks like they will be broken up. What's that going to mean for marketers? And then we'll play around the edges with our own thoughts on some of this maybe too. Absolutely. So what is going on in the Google antitrust world, right? So we're uh, recording this. It's November 2020. And October 2020 was this huge month where this news was kind of coming out left and right about antitrust and with Google. So let's kind of break it down, right? What, what is happening for those who have not been staying on topic? Uh, the biggest news is in October, uh, the Department of Justice filed a lawsuit against Google alleging um, that they were violating antitrust laws, right? So not only do they have this major market dominance, you know, that's not in and of itself enough to um, really initiate this violation, but it's the fact that they were using these anti-competitive practices and exclusionary agreements um, so that they can maintain this market dominance and limit competition. That was the, that was like the major tenet of, of the, the lawsuit that they filed. Um, okay. Yeah, also in October, 2020, you had the House Antitrust Panel, which uh, released some of their initial findings. And they kind of flat out said that Google had a monopoly on online search and advertising. And that was a bipartisan panel. So you've got the executive branch, you've got the house, you've got people on both sides of this aisle screaming, big tech, Google monopoly, what now? Right. And really, 
people say, I mean, they're not a monopoly because what? So they have Google search, but there's other, the only other search engines are really there as punchlines. Like when yeah. you bring up Bing, nobody brings up Bing as having to Bing something. As Microsoft's this huge company. They got broken up and now they're the punchline when it comes to online search. Um, so you can say, but there are competitors. Yeah, but it doesn't really matter. They're not, they're not substantive. And I, I guess my, um, to throw out early on, my philosophical standpoint on this kind of thing is part of what makes this country great is capitalism, is competition. Amen. And like companies' jobs are to become Google, but then government's job sometimes is to break them up because the country and capitalism is designed for the people and it's not in the people's best interest. So you could say it's not fair that just because they're successful, they're getting broken up, but also they have these non-anti-competitive practices and stuff. Kind of natural for a company once it gets big. That's how you get big is being the most competitive. But then it's the government's job to come in and break that up to assure the people get the best product at the best prices because you don't get all the benefits of capitalism when you have basically a company that can act like the Soviet Union if they want because they control so much. They have all of all of our data. There's no way for a smaller company to really compete or to make a large enough splash and to get the kind of traction um, that that they would need to be able to go up to go up against Google. You know, and some of the major the major practices that the DOJ noted was this twenty billion dollar deal with Apple over Google's integration in iOS devices. Uh, allowing Chrome to be there, Chrome always having Google as the default search and having Google as the default search for all Apple devices. So that was a, a big sticking point. This is a $20 billion deal that also includes Apple getting advertising cut. That sounds really familiar to the, I believe it was in the 90s, Microsoft um, might have spilled into the 2000s. It's Microsoft so, it's lawsuit with them similar. embedding their uh, what operating system into every with, type mm -hmm. of deal. Yeah, they were uh, they were including Internet Explorer, and mm -hmm. then they were buying out companies like Netscape, and they were limiting Netscape's ability. Which at one point, I mean, I'm kind of aging myself here, but I remember using Netscape, and then all of a sudden, Netscape was gone. And yeah. every computer had IE, and IE was was everything. As as a uh, as a developer and like a marketer, I'm very happy that Internet Explorer is not our default anymore. Because as any web designers would know, IE6 was miserable. I think anybody who even remembers Internet Explorer now um, knows it as oh my gosh, yeah, Internet Explorer <laughs> was. And it's so here's, ages. here's the deal with something like this: Internet Explorer ended up being when it started out it was this wonderful browser because we had nothing else and they kind of created and people are going to say but there was this there was okay but internet explorers was dominant browser and then eventually it became a joke um i would say it became a joke because microsoft didn't have any competition so there was no need for them to build a better product for people so internet explorer is what you get when the government doesn't break companies up and make sure there's competition and what we have today with the iphone and smartphones is what you get when the government does its job in that area and ultimately microsoft is much better off everybody is better off when they have to compete so they stay hardened and they stay competitive 
instead of getting soft because you have locked down a market again, you don't want your company to become the Soviet Union. You get soft, you get weak, and you don't put out good products, and eventually eventually something comes up somewhere else. You may lock down for a period of time. And that's where I say this is actually good for Google, I believe, and good mm-hmm. for consumers, and it's capitalism working if and when they get broken up. Without a doubt. Uh, Microsoft is in an infinitely better position now than they were then. They have this trillion-dollar-plus market cap. Um, their, their default internet browser Edge is miles better. Users can choose Chrome. They can choose Edge. They can choose Firefox. And the technology supported by all, all of these browsers it is so much better than if we only had Internet Explorer over this past 20, 30 year right time period and i think you're absolutely right google is going to have to compete and there's a lot of areas that they can compete on and they can add value to where right now they really just don't have to we have to use google products on every side of our business whether those products function the way that they are supposed to um or whether they really work very well right and, and i would some say of them work great some of them don't yeah, to, to keep beating the philosophical dead horse on this, um, Microsoft, a lot of the things they've developed now and a lot of the products they have and a lot of the innovations they've made, if they weren't broken up, they probably would have never developed because they wouldn't have had to. There wouldn't have been a drive to compete with somebody. We may not have the type of AI stuff they, they've developed, those kind of things. If, Absolutely. You know, when you're playing Something. king of the hill, if nobody's allowed to knock you off the hill – the game doesn't work anymore. Like you aren't, you aren't going to have the strongest guy on the top of the hill. And the whole point of capitalism is we want the best product for the people at the best price, constantly being generated by this company competition. So yes, I think what the wild west of the internet is supposed to be for. There's this, you know, um, something that I, I always think, and I've heard a quote kind of similar here, but we were born too late to be explorers of land. Right? We're not able to hop on a ship and to go uh, you know, find brand new shores. And we're generally a little bit too early to find you know, uh, brand new planets and brand, and brand new galaxies. We're not quite there as far as- I was gonna say, Elon, innovation goes. Yeah, Elon Musk is listening. <laughs> saying, he's saying, I'm sorry, Matt, but uh, you're wrong there. <laughs> <laughs> he says, watch me, watch out 2030. But where we, ha- where we do fit in is this digital wild west, so this digital exploration. We're alive at this massive growth of the internet age and this internet marketplace that has allowed small businesses and large businesses alike to really grow, expand, and to compete in, in, in the most capitalistic way possible. Interesting. So... In that analogy, if the internet is the Wild West and that's a good thing, then what made the Wild West work possibly was the six-shooter because it was the great equalizer <laughs> of people. It didn't matter if you had, um, you know, if you had the power. If someone else had a six-shooter, they also had the power. So in the internet, what is the six-shooter? What is the, the equalizer of the people? Because somebody like Google can come along and this podcast may never air if they really wanted to without yeah. the people having that 
and you know we're not going to get into guns rights arguments and stuff like that <laughs> but if if you don't have that that ability for the small man to fight back is that just just internet connection and i mean uh, we're starting to go into net neutrality and stuff like that then oh yeah exactly <laughs> you know we're uh you and i and we don't have that right now we don't have a six shooter that's able to fully, I, it, it would take a lot of effort on anyone's part and 99.999% of folks would not do this to completely disassociate yourself from online pixels, from Google data, uh, from Facebook pixels, from any, of that, from any of their data storage options and to fully get off of, off of the grid there, it, it's, it's nearly impossible. But we do have the ability to make a podcast, upload it, and as many people as want can download it. We can upload it. Um, so we, the internet is still a, a democratized area. You know, it isn't. And this people, is our voice to to instigate change. You can make a website, and people, if it's good, people can go there. And if mm -hmm. it's not, uh, so I would say it still has this. People still have power on the internet. Uh, you know, I'm using Google products right now to make a podcast talking about maybe some of the less good things that Google does and how they should be broken up by the government, which as a company, I'm sure they don't want. That's the nature of companies. So a, a little bit of this is like, you know, people saying that uh, Twitter is censoring them and they're saying it on Twitter. I'm like, that's not <laughs> yeah. how censorship really works. They may not like what you say sometimes, but uh, you know, we, if I can write into a Google doc, uh, bad things about Google, Obviously, it's, it's, it's not that bad. It's not exactly <laughs> the evil empire. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, um, yeah, so the flip side of, 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 of that coin and sort of moving on with like what you are saying right now is we now have access to the world's repository of knowledge. And Google search does such a tremendous job at delivering results that we want to find. If you're a student, or, or you want to learn some sort of, if you want to learn an instrument or how to fix your house or your bathroom or whatever, Google is this discovery tool serving trillions of web pages every day. And I think they do an incredible job uh, at allowing you to find what you need to find. So here's the devil advocate. You said um, they do a great job at, um, at allowing us to find what we want to find. And I would say where, where we get into with this antitrust thing and maybe back to remind the listeners, the topic here is basically um, what it means to marketers uh, if and when Google gets broken up. But um, to get into the antitrust thing, saying they allow us to find what we want to find, it seems sometimes some of their practices are more um, allowing us to find what they want us to find. This, it's a disturbing trend because what we see is um, that they are prioritizing Google products and Google services more and more. And some of those would be Google Maps, Google My Business, um, local service ads. You know, there's quite a few searches now where you'd have to scroll quite a bit down to, to find any relevant results that are not integrated with another, with another service Google offers. So that's, that's where some of these troubling concerns for our end as marketers really comes into play, this forced usage of having to use these other products that they offer um, just so we can compete. Right, and that's why I'd say the Wild West thing doesn't 
doesn't play so much because basically Google wants it to be the Wild West because they're turning into that guy that owns the whole town in every Western. Um, they're now the pinker. <laughs> right. And at some point, the government has to come in and say, okay, this is getting out of control. We got to break this up because it's not good for the people under you once you have so much power. At first, you're like, hey, I'll build a well. And then eventually, you own the whole town and you decide who gets the water. And we got a Rango situation going on. All of a sudden, he's just twirling his mustache. Yeah. Sitting on top of the oil well. They're basically saying, you remember that power corrupts quote? Well, you got a little bit too big. So that's where we are. That's where the dream of this open internet, you know, we're 20, 30 years later. And that open internet dream, it's not quite where we wanted it. So it kind of needs a shakeup. We need a big Theo Roosevelt to kind of come in and make some things happen. And this is where people with one philosophy might say, hey, Google wants to do this. It's their product. Why not let them? Um, and they say, that's freedom. And, but then on the other side, you say, well, um, what's the difference between freedom and anarchy at some point and might makes right? Just because you can do something. And just because maybe there's no, I don't know. I, I don't know. How do, how do I quit? Just because you can do something and just because you have the quote unquote right doesn't always mean it's what's best for people. And we're not an anarchy situation here. So I guess just because it doesn't break a law of somebody's physical being or, um, you know, if you can still, companies can get broken up. And I think people may not quite understand how the antitrust works in that way. Maybe I don't quite understand how it works in that way, but sometimes it doesn't seem right that a company gets broken up. Why? Just because we're so good. And then there's the little dodgy stuff you're doing underneath. Okay, fine. But why do you have <laughs> to break us up? And I keep getting back to the philosophical idea of that's the game we have set up because it works better for everybody in the long run. As a country, that's the game we have set up, I think. And it doesn't work if you have these forces, if the government, whether you love government or not, it it has a purpose in business. And it's not to just let business do whatever they want until you have one, you know, quote unquote, umbrella corporation that controls everything. The idea is to keep, you know, keep things running, keep parity. If the United States was a sports league, if you let one team get dominant to the point that they get all the best players all the time, nobody wants to watch anymore. And I think that's maybe the best analogy I can think of for antitrust is you could say like, Hey, that's not fair just because they're the best team. That's like, well, trust me, it's not good for them when you basically have, you don't have a real league when you have the Harlem Globetrotters and then 20 other teams that are the, uh, you know, Washington, joke, uh, uh, joke, joke team. Like you want actual parity. So they create rules Let's say like, sorry, but if you did good, we're going to handicap you now so that because the product is for the people. You know, and what the DOJ is really alleging here, it's not that 90% of everyone is watching the Harlem Globetrotters. It's the fact that the Harlem Globetrotters are using profits from that 90%, you know, from their 90% sort of position to work with all of the farm leagues. And they've paid every single farm league with the players coming up where anyone who's coming up and looks good, they have to sign with us, right? So we've paid 20 billion to you and 10 million to you and 5 million to like you. So we're gonna continue getting every single player and none of the other teams. So now they've, you know, they're all trying to share this 10 or so percent. 
and they can't get any of, of the best players in perpetuity. And the league is ultimately, maybe that league works for five years or 10 years, but as you said, no one's going to watch it. It's just going to be a one-sided show. Somebody's going to start the NBA and then you're going to say, hey, look, we got something actually, some real entertainment here. These guys wearing uh, short shorts. Yeah. <laughs> Check this out. You can't and, pants a guy while he's shooting a free throw. I'm sorry. That's anti-competitive there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Half the listeners are like, what the hell are the Globetrotters? I have no idea what these references are. <laughs> you know, so when, when I think about this too, there's oh. a lot one second. I would say to those half the listeners, Google it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Bing it. There's a yeah. lot of data right on DuckDuckGo. You guys can check it out. <laughs> yeah. um, so what would the government possibly do, right? So for those of us who are saying this is unfair to break them up, maybe you're right. But the, but the government has a lot, a lot of tools at its disposal. And I think we should talk about some of the options that the government has uh, that if they do in fact deem Google has, anti, uh, has anti-competitive practices, what are some options that they can do, right? Um, and, we can, and there's different probabilities here. We obviously don't know exactly, but we can take a fairly educated guess on the fairly likely side of that is they can, uh, is they can fine them fairly significantly and they can say, here's a big fine and you're no longer allowed to go into this deal with Apple or mobile phone providers or you're no longer able to uh, insist Google as a default search engine on iOS or on Android devices and the users have to choose. And the reality is most of them will end up choosing Google anyway. So big loss. Um, right, so force them to not lock out other players, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if I have a brand new phone, as that phone starts up, it would have to ask me, and I'm pretty sure the EU is already doing this, is that it would have to say, do you want to use Google? Do you want to use Bing? Do you want to use DuckDuckGo? Do you want to use other? Right, so the user would have a choice at the very beginning. So it would be an opt-in. Uh, it, it would be an opt-in for Google versus an, an opt-out. Right, and, and on the Google side, depending on how many people would, uh, would opt into a, another service where Google really shines now is their scale. It, that's, that's really how everything here works. The scale and the amount of data and access that they have allows us as marketers to highly target, you know, and it makes their services incredibly attractive. Right, so I think that's one of the most likely options. That seems, I'd say, but that seems half-assed to me and, and weak. And maybe, it's a, maybe it would be a big deal, but it, it just reminds it me of some of, these, some of these little hiccups where you say, this financial institution you know, broke these rules to make $100 billion, so we're going to find them a million dollars. And they're like, a million dollars, that's so much money. And you're like, no, you really, all you did was, was say, you can do whatever you want and, and pay a small fee to keep doing it. That's not really going to, it seems like that's what Google would suggest. Like, hey, why don't you do this for us? Why don't we put a billion dollars into your campaign fund, into, you know, something, something, and that'll, and then everything will be cool. And like, I, I don't, when it comes to my desire to have competition for, for people to come out on top, I'm looking at the, you got to break up the company 
is the way these th things happen. So sure, maybe you say, and you can't also behave this way, but I'm saying, I'm sorry, but the different Google branches of business need to be separated. Uh, absolutely. And, and, and that's where we're going into next, right? So on, on like the first, and maybe I'm, I'm a little bit jaded. I think it would, you know, I've kind of seen this happen where every business only gets like some sort of simple fine. So that's why I say that's the most likely, but you're absolutely right. I don't think there would be any meaningful change there. We'd see the same exact thing. We'd be having the same exact, that we'll, we'll record the same podcast in 2035, right? And so we'll say like, you know, nothing really happened. Um, I, but I want to record the same podcast, but not about Google, about some other company that made something amazing because the door was left open for them to compete. I, without that will always happen, would, but that's the point. So yeah, I guess we need to open up the doors. So then what, what could happen if Google actually is forced to sell different products or service offerings? And I think some of the likely ones, number one, you have YouTube. Number two, you have Chrome. What are your mm -hmm. thoughts on that? Right. Oh, interesting. So, I mean, does Google end up, if they're broken up, do they mm -hmm. end up competing with themselves? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> YouTube splits off in one direction, Google goes off in another, Chrome in another. And then, I mean, does Google then just make another YouTube within Google or do they focus? My thing is, I feel like when things get broken up, then you focus on your own core business. And, and doing a better job at that rather than having these monopolistic alliances within, cause you own the whole supply chain. You mm -hmm. have, you, you own the mine, you own the transportation, you own the factory, you own the logistics to get it out. You own the stores, the products are sold in, you own the whole chain. And yes, it gives you an advantage because you know, you're buying from yourself basically. So you can, you can optimize everything, but it cuts everyone else out because you can say, I own all of the logistics now. So this company wants to make this product and they have a great idea, but I'm not going to ship it. So the customers don't get to see it. So if you break Google up and now they're all the independent things and they have to actually work now, other, you don't have that ability to leverage owning every part of the marketplace. Right. And, and, and that's where things for us as marketers and also users start to get a little, a little more interesting because I think you're going to see, you're, you're going to see other video competitors. You're going to see, uh, so let's say group, uh, let's say Chrome has to split off. What, what would this, so they have the major market share. I think it's over two thirds of all browser usage what you know they would be able so right now google is the default search engine on 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 uh, every chrome browser what would stop microsoft or DuckDuckGo or even a brand new vc funded competitor from saying this is our shot we right. are going to pay the chrome company to showcase us as their primary and here's where it comes back to what does this mean for marketers they would say we can we can do this but you have Chrome, right? They have to have something better. They have to have an idea that makes an improvement for the consumer. You can't just say, let's make something just like Chrome and then be like, now there's room for us too. Um, people may try that sometimes, but the general idea with the competition is now you get to say, I have this idea. And before I couldn't do it because Google would never let me, you know, they own all the logistics. They won't let me ship. Doesn't matter if I have an idea for a better product. I can't get it out because 
the whole market is locked down and these guys won't let it see the light of day. Now you can say this better idea can actually see the life of day. So for marketers, we have all these marketing tools we use within Absolutely. Google. If we just focused on something as small as SEO, um, but there's, there's so many things we use from Google. I don't suppose we could get into this podcast, all the speculation of all the ways it could impact the different things marketers could have, whether it's cost reduction in certain areas, just through competition, or just what type of products could we possibly see? Who knows, but we're guaranteed to see new innovations mm -hmm. when you let new companies compete on a more level playing field, not be locked out basically. Yeah, you know, if uh, we have a client coming to us right now and they're interested in brand discovery, it's, it's an easy answer. We have to be discovered using, using Google search and Google PPC products. But let's say there is a breakup of not just Chrome, not just YouTube, but let's say Google search as their primary business, which has 90% market share, 95% mobile markets, market share. What if Google search is now broken up into different search competitors and each of them has 10, 15% because people stick with a certain one for a certain reason. As marketers, it becomes a little more interesting because we say search engine A has a user base that generally trends towards X and Y and Z. And how can we invent different extensions and different technologies or different products that is catered to that audience, that, that product or that 10 to 15% infrastructure. Whereas Google as this giant sort of behemoth, they wouldn't let us into the door because they're gonna prioritize their own services or maybe even, you know, if, um, if you are a local, uh, like a local health provider now, I know there's a lot of, a lot of problems because there's a lot of small businesses that were using Google PPC ads to promote their local practices, right? And now with everyone being locked in, there's these more national companies that are spending a fortune on Google PPC ads, and it's all for telehealth. So you don't have to be relevant in that local market with a local office. You just need a Zoom or whatever WebEx and that, and that you can essentially connect. And these local businesses are having an incredibly difficult time just getting customers into the door. I've spoken to dozens of these businesses that were, that were relying on Google PPC ads for 50 brand new clients every single month. And that was paying for their mortgage, paying for their payroll, to keep that business alive. And now that we're sort of competing at this national level on, under the telehealth umbrella, those businesses cannot, cannot, cannot actually compete. But right. if we had dozens of search engines, if there was a search engine that was more popular on the West Coast versus the East Coast, and it was broken up into different ways, you can definitely find more availability and less competition on each individual search engine so if you are a Los Angeles-based private practice, you can say, I've invented some sort of search engine A extension that I can promote on their ads. And I have a shot of actually getting seen and getting discovered there versus now there's going to be some major company that's right. going to buy up all the ads. It seems like you're saying, I mean, a market is simple. You can go to the market, get what you want, but it's better to have a marketplace than a single dominant market. And that market's gonna tell you, hey, we're really well organized, but, but it's better for all these reasons. 
and they're going to help you out in, in any different away from the market analogy. Like companies will come in and say, Hey, let me help you out. This is the best. This is great. And then you become dependent on them and then they become <laughs> the only option. And <laughs> then nature takes over when they have all that leverage and then Absolutely. you stop getting the best product and the best service because you, you let them kill the marketplace because they had such a convenient market. And that's government's Absolutely. job to then step in and say, sorry, we got to have the marketplace. That's what, how this country works. It seems in your thing to take it. So that's the good if Google's broken up. On the other side, not breaking up, not keeping the competitive marketplace. Who, who would think Google won't eventually get into healthcare? Hey, here's an area we don't dominate and make a billion dollars in. We own everything that makes the people who are successful there successful. All we have to do is create our own brand and point everything to it. And now we have that whole market. And then you have the problem that we have in other areas with, with Google of they point, everything points to themselves once they step into a marketplace. And if you don't break that kind of thing up, then there is nothing to stop them. And the company's natural, that the nature of a company is to say, here's a marketplace we can dominate as well, because we have, that's their job is to do that we, kind of we see them dominating reviews and booking engines. So, you know, you see other brands like Yelp and Expedia and booking.com who are all crying, hey, this is our business. Google saw how much traffic they had all of our data. We installed analytics. They saw how much money we were making on this thing, but we were using them. We were relying on them for our traffic and our yeah. services. And they turned around and said, you guys are making a lot of money. And frankly, we'd rather send all that money to us. So, yeah. yeah. And, where you, else and you're right. Well, why not healthcare? <laughs> <laughs> is there anywhere else for this money that's not ours? Okay, great. Now we can own that. We can own this. We can own that. You, they're, they're making a snowball and you got to break it up before it turns into an avalanche. Yeah, that's a really apt, apt analogy there. So sure. I feel like the listeners, one, normally we take a break. Obviously, we're not going to do that because we're talking about <laughs> crazy stuff here. And this episode's going to ramble all over the place. And there's going to be a bunch of things people are going to say, what about this? You didn't say that. It's too big of a subject to say everything. I mean, we could probably have a, an individual episode with, with super specialized uh, people on that topic for so many of these things that's not the goal here today. We're giving kind of a brush over, I guess, of a lot of these things. You just can't dig into, it's too big to dig into every detail. This um, is the overview. Yeah. So I want to touch on a couple things just so people know, we know they exist though. You know, you mentioned the, the Google, the Yelp issue um, with, with reviews everywhere you look, there's little things like this um, that Google has its hands into because they can, and that's what you do. Um, in my business, we do data. There's a lot of email marketing around that. Um, a lot of other types of marketing too, but specifically on the email part. Something I noticed, and I've spoken on this once before at, at, uh, at an event, before, back when we had events. Um, companies like Google don't like email marketing because they see money there that they don't get. It is the Wild West. You're allowed to send somebody an email. It gets right to them. They would much rather have you in their garden, inside their walls of their platform. That's where everybody wants you in their marketplace, not in the market. So with email, I think a lot of companies, and once you get big enough, they see this huge ocean out there that's completely unowned. And they're like, we need to own that ocean. 
And one of the things that I saw, and you see it in innovations like AMP, we discussed this a little bit oh, yeah. for email. We had an episode on it a while back here um, where they're innovations, but sometimes again, when a monopoly-ish company is doing an innovation, usually here's the problem. It's more to lock the market down more than to give a better product for the customer. So there'll be a little bit of good in there. So, hey, look what we're doing for you that's good, but you got to give up more of your more of the wild west you got we own the town more now because we're going to take over this business too this thing we're going to bring you inside our walls and own you there's another thing that that was put out there a while back i noticed and i can't i don't know how much details there is on this it's tough to find information on it uh, very very quickly but the general concept behind it and i saw it as an attempt to kill email marketing and monetize it um was and I believe it was Google was trying to create basically a verified email. And the idea there was saying, Hey, if you, if you register with us kind of in, in a sense, then we will add your company's icon to your, to your email. And that will let people know that you're a legitimate email. And the, the point there is the, the very next step is to say, and I don't think this is some conspiracy paranoia. This is how this stuff works. Um, you know, you're listening to the Joe Rogan podcast here a little, but uh, <laughs> just got a cease and desist written on Hello, Joe, Jamie. Joe Rogan. Um, <laughs> uh, but the, the point there is to say the very next step is if an email isn't coming from one of their verified things, if you haven't done this registration, then your email is untrusted and it doesn't get to the inbox. And now they get to own email because they'll, Email only works if you can get into an inbox. So spam is bad, but it's used by as, as a fear technique for companies to try to monetize email more. Um, uh, you know, it, it's used to say, you can't trust this. Don't, you know, put more money into Google AdWords. You can trust this. Don't put money into sending emails to people because there's, you know, that, that's evil. Um, they want to lock down the C's and, and own them basically and, and be able to monetize that, that virtually free email traffic that so much business is done by and they don't get a piece of the money. I think that's kind of on the evil side. Where and That would go. be an easy sell, right? Because basically Google would say, you know, you user, we're trying to ensure you guys do not get spam. We're trying to provide a better user experience and on the business side, you've worked for years and you've got 500,000 emails of uh, very, very, ha very happy customers and you want to increase communication with them. However, when you market to them, now your email delivery, de deliverability, excuse me, I'm not able to speak today, rate would only be 10% without this fancy Google verified email. But if you pay us X amount, for every single it's email. Not even, it's free. Google's free. It's just, it's just register. It's just, it's just, you fill out the form so they can verify who you are. You know, you want to walk around our town. You just got to wear this ID badge. So we know we can trust you because there's bad people out there. So it's free initially Google docs. Once yeah, you own everything free at first, then you can monetize it. Maybe you and still never charge option. people, but now all of a sudden they can put ads inside your, something, mm -hmm happens once they get you into that slope it's it's a, it's free the product is you right so you know yeah. if if a year or two down the line if everybody's using that 
it's easy for us as marketers if they come to us and say, we're going to double or triple your email open rate and here's the fee. It's hard for us to kind of justify not really doing it when we have a client behind us saying, this is going to help my business. We want people to see this and they're absolutely right. And it's not really even your email open rate. It's just nobody's going to see your email if you don't have this. You're not allowed inside our town and everybody's in our town if you don't do if you don't register with us and i would Um, say register your guns but then i get into a whole weird other thing it's just register yourself if you don't register yourself then you're not allowed in the town and i'm sorry but our town is expanding to the whole country so you're going to be an outlaw and nobody will talk to you and nobody will see you and nobody if you don't register yourself with us and maybe the the legal stuff says once you register yourself with us we own you maybe it doesn't let's not pay attention to that but stop free <laughs> traveling from town to town without, our, without being registered with us and us knowing where you are and who you are because it's for your own safety. It's and that happens all safety. over. And you know, in that free option, right, even if they're not monetizing it directly, what is the data collection policy, right? If you, if you need to register to be a part of the Google town, and in order to send the kind of emails that you need sent, maybe they need access to, to read them. Maybe they now need to see all of the data. Maybe they need to install some, some special pixel on your website that was not there before. And now they've got access to your traffic, to your, to your analytics, to all of your email communication. And that's, very, that's incredibly valuable. And the business model we've seen from them isn't, they're not going to, I'm using Google Docs. I have it open right now. I don't pay them for this. They're not monetizing things directly. It's the much greater indirect monetization of owning everything. And now you get to lock everyone out. That's worth a lot. You get to remove all competition back to the antitrust and Google. And these are the kind of practices. We kind of went down the dark black mirror direction of of, of Google. (laughs) But really, this is so good. It's the nature of companies to do this. We all look to do it, to find an advantage, to get some, some market. You make a contract with somebody to lock that, that situation down, but that contract can't span everything everywhere at all times or things don't work. Now you don't need to get out of bed anymore because you own everything. And that, it's not good. that's compete. not good for the you people. To make, you right. know, there's, um, there was an issue uh, yesterday right? We are using this new Google local service ads, right? We work with big businesses, but we work with a lot of small and local businesses too. And local service, local service ads are a particularly newer kind of product. They launched last year uh, for things like, let's say, carpet cleaning or pest control. And they're now moving into things such as legal services and professional services, right? Key phrase I heard in there was now moving into things. That's basically where all this goes. Everything ends up <laughs> now moving into. It's like, hey, it's I'm, now moving into. I'm just a farmer here with some cows and eventually that guy is now moving into everything. Yeah, they're extending their reach far and beyond. And you know, I think there's a lot of potential in them offering these service ads, but what we have found is there it's incredibly buggy. Uh, we have been going with, we've been going back and forth with different Google service reps. Some of them are fantastic. We have a lot of excellent contacts there. But first of all, to get someone on the phone right now, especially COVID time, 
their human to human support, it's fair, it's fairly difficult. And they don't really have any reason to fix some of these products, some of these bugs, to add the kind of features that we're asking for, to fix things such as billing, to fix things such as how to bill multiple clients, multiple accounts, how to do geo control on an ad, on, on a, uh, ad group level versus a campaign level, things that we've been asking them for. And you know, just to get something simple as why did this account disappear? Well, well, we have to email them back and forth and there's a problem and there's a bug here. They have no incentive to really fix it because we have to pay them either way. If we right. want to get found and to get discovered, we have to play ball. And when it works great, it works great. But it, there's a long road to kind of get there. And back to your point, they don't have any reason to make it better. Motivations. I feel like capitalism is designed to counteract human nature. It's basically, the Soviet Union is anti-human nature. Why does that kind of thing not work? They do not make very good cars. They made good AK-47s. There's not very many great Soviet <laughs> You're not cars. Getting jammed up with any sand. There's no motivation. There's no reason to why. And so, but and who does the AK-47 benefit versus the car? Like the people don't, the products that get developed are not ones that benefit the people, but that benefit the state. And if Google's allowed to become the state, I'm sorry, Google, but it's for your own good. Um, you do not <laughs> want to become, you don't want to become the state. You do, but it's not the best for you to, to let that kind of thing happen. And that's where we get back to. And then for marketers, not the best because it changes the whole world of what you're allowed to do. If, if now you have to play down within some lockdown system owned by Google, a lot of which we already experienced and it could get way worse without a real breakup. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this might be the last opportunity we have, Matt, everything that's being said today. Uh, we didn't take a break today, but I do want to get to the part of the show real quick where you tell us a little bit about yourself, your company and what your company used to do before this episode. Uh, <laughs> I definitely appreciate it. Um, my name is Matthew Berman. I'm the, I'm the president of Emerald Digital. We are a full service digital marketing agency and we help grow businesses. We do that by delivering sales, leads and helping you get discovered both online and in the media. Uh, we are not just a churn and burn agency. Our clients are our friends. We've worked with most of our clients for years and years. Uh, so if you're looking for someone who's an extension of your team and who our success is seeing you guys grow and working with you for many years, we like to be relatively picky as to who we work with because this is a partnership. And uh, as we introed this, uh, the podcast at the very, very beginning, we have delivered millions in sales, millions and millions in sales, profit, revenue, leads, prospects, engagement. We've grown Facebook pages with millions of users. We've ranked number one for some of the most difficult keywords in the entire country. We've uh, grown brands from, you know, who were engaging with maybe several thousand people every single month to millions of people every single month. So if you're looking for a cool party that you can grab a beer with, that's us. <laughs> and uh, soon to be experts in generating leads on Bing, I heard. <laughs> we uh, definitely have a Bing PPC <laughs> account that sounds like 
we will be utilizing more and more. I feel like we're insulting everybody simultaneously when you make that joke. You're basically <laughs> saying, we're talking so much smack about Google, we're going to have to go to Bing, and that insults Bing. This is the opposite of game theory we're doing here, which is uh -oh. to date these women. <laughs> Let's talk about some awesome things Google has done, right? Because we've kind of been nailing them. Let's talk about Google Collab and some of these inroads that they're making into AI and natural language processing and being able for computer systems to understand content and deliver relevant content and to advance to this kind of next stage. They have been absolutely crushing things on that side of the field. So this so, is a part of the show where we say, Google, we love you, man. Really, <laughs> we, we were just criticizing you because we want you to be nicer to our friends. That's all. We're not trying to break up. We just want to help you be better. <laughs> we're here for you, Google. Yeah, we're here for you. Put down the beer and let's talk. You. <laughs> you guys have amazing sushi, great food. <laughs> Not you everybody's been things. inside Google's buildings and eating their I've, sushi, I've Matt. So come on. The belly of, of the beast. And look, I mean, there's amazing people there that are incredibly smart, right? And a lot of them are, you know, working on increasing monetization. That's how business works. But you have this 20% rule where at, it, during that 20% time, they, they, these folks are inventing these really funky and cool things. And one of the major problems that I and others have with Google products is that they drop them. And they, mm. uh, they have dropped Google Wave. They've dropped all sorts of stuff. Um, people spent thousands of hours using Google Plus that was dropped you know, uh, looks like possibly Google Stadia next, you know, so we, we want you to invent these awesome things, but to support them. And in order to support them, there has to be meaningful competition and a meaningful reason for you to continue to drive the world forward in, in a positive way. Fantastic. I almost feel like we should just end the episode right there. That was like a good, <laughs> but uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's some things to, to talk on still. So let's, let's continue focusing though on the, we did a lot of doom and gloom, a lot of Google Black Mirror stuff. Um, and if you don't know what Black Mirror is, again, Google it. On the great show. Assuming Google gets broken up. All the wonderful benefits for b2b marketers for marketers in general but this is a b2b show for b2b marketers this this episode i know we're not giving you a whole lot of like hey if you do this you'll get more leads type talk it's good for you don't worry about it um we have all kinds of episodes here but um so google gets broken up the type of things marketers can expect the type of products we can expect to see um for b2b marketers any any specific thoughts there? I mean, you mentioned a couple things there. Yeah, you know, um, we, we hinted at this a little bit before, but if your business is solely relying on a non-owned channel for discoverability and mm. for client communication, that's a misstep. You need, there, you can be dropped off of Google, off of Facebook, off of social, off of any other platform at any point. So we should read the tea leaves now and we should prepare. And one of those, you know, some of, the, some of those items that we should do is make sure that we have proprietary channels that we can communicate with our customers 
directly on. We should get back to the basics on all of our own websites and things such as that. Make sure that they are fundamentally sound. They are fast, they provide a great user experience, they essentially convert because if let's say the Google search product ends up being broken up, any competing search engine is gonna want to deliver a relevant experience. So be a need to be a basics. universal way to, to um, spider your website and make it searchable within their search engine basically. Absolutely, and, yeah, so, make sure that if, if you have a photo heavy site, Google can kind of tell what a photo is. It's one of their weaknesses and frankly, they are getting a lot better, um, but that's a difficult thing to do. What search right. crawlers are really good at is reading text and they're becoming better and better at figuring out what that text means. So if your website is properly organized with header tags and meta tags and image and, and, and all the contents, right, then any search engine. So if, Right now, Google is split, and if a search engine pops up that maybe their AI functionality is not quite as advanced as master Google is, they can still read and understand what the plain text is and the fundamentals of what your website are. So I would definitely- Interesting. And audio also, I mean, we're doing a podcast here. If we put this out in text, we might actually hear some blowback from somebody for something said. But when you do it in audio, they're not exactly- uh, I'd say they're not. I'm sure they are. But, you know, I've my company's put out a press release before and one of our largest competitors. I'll say it here in audio to see if we get a another, <laughs> get see another, if we get another yeah. cease and desist on this one. Uh, one of our largest competitors, Zoom Info, we put out a press release um, mentioning some of the bad data practices we think they do. Personally, I believe one of the largest data breaches in the world is with business data is what Zoom Info does with some of the programs they have installed inside companies that the companies don't even know about because individual employees are installing them and they're scraping every email going through the email servers in exchange for almost, almost not really virtually nothing. Wow. And they brag on their site about how many hundreds of millions a day, I think contacts and information and direct dials they get. There's a good chance that any large company, if I email somebody within that company, or if their CEO emails out to all their employees, that CEO's signature line has now been scraped and added to Zoom Info's database. Without their I, knowledge. Without their knowledge, right. But the individual employee consented when they signed up to receive five free records a month from Zoom Info to now have this Trojan horse of a data privacy a massive, massive issue um, put into the company's, the company's email and everything going through it. We mentioned that in part of a press release and immediately the morning it came out, got a cease and desist. Now, I don't think they're reading all of our press releases because I say they're our largest competitor, but they don't know who we are outside of that. That very morning we got it because the text is so searchable. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can talk all about this and probably read that same press release unless they made us shred it when they threatened to sue us out of existence uh, within an hour of, of it being released um, here on the air and it wouldn't go anywhere because this is audio. Yeah, you're 100% right. It's, it's much harder at this moment to parse through and to index audio files and to you know, sort of turn that into text and then to do that in a near... Yeah. real time. There are services that can certainly do it, 
but it's not, it, it hasn't hit any kind of critical mass yet. So you can probably talk as much smack as you want now, unless they physically hear about it, they well, may not know. And for the listeners, if the last couple minutes, it seems like there was a jump, it's because um, I, I got a call from, from somebody's legal department asking me how large our litigation budget was and we had to edit it out. Um, but if, if you <laughs> that, then it goes, it serves the point either way, I guess. <laughs> Win-win. So making sure your things are optimized for an open marketplace, basically in marketing for yeah. more than one channel. Multiple I think channels. of, imagine back in the day, and again, half the listeners will have to Google what this is. Everyone had bought into GeoCities and uh, created- Angel a Fire. Angel Fire. <laughs> created their website in one of these community things. And that's where all websites were now we would all still have a GeoCities website, probably with clip art um, be, being used as the images. Moving you know, cats. Once you're locked inside that market, the market doesn't have much of an incentive to improve um, other than improvements to further monetize you. But it, it's a one-sided game um, once, once you're locked in. It's, it, there's no longer a push and pull. They don't have to compete for your business. So... You, you get what's best for them and you have no leverage to get anything of what's best for you. And so that's, I, I guess the, what marketers can expect if they're broken up is, Hey, who knows you're pointing out some things, but there's a lot of unknown, but there's a lot of variables here, but we I know it think... will be good things. We know we'll see things and we don't even mm -hmm. know what they this... are because they haven't been invented yet. There's going to be a fundamental shift if this breakup definitely happens, but you know, there'll, there'll, there'll be brand new competitors, brand new platforms that we can compete and distribute our content, brands, services, products on. But as marketers preparing for this, there's a lot of fundamentals that we can touch up on, right? Making sure our brand communication strategy is sound, that we are creating a content that is relevant to the products and services that we offer. And even something that we are doing now, we are networking in a public space. We're meeting like-minded and friendly people, you know, so to, to find podcasts and communication channels that your brand can engage in and be a part of, and that you can share a video that you made and upload it to Vimeo instead of YouTube, and that you have a platform to kind of share that and chat bots and forums and message boards and subreddits and all these different avenues that you can communicate your message on. Yeah. Hey, I would say without the open internet, um, not only would this podcast not exist. And some of the listeners are saying that's not after this episode, <laughs> that wouldn't be such a loss. What are you guys giving me? Um, but neither would Joe Rogan's or whatever one you really love to listen to. Like you think of the, the dominant people in a space. And if you go back far enough, they wouldn't exist if they hadn't been given the ability to come up at some point. Um, so many of the things we love come up through non-locked uh, down channels. Absolutely. And that's how they're, that's how they're created. Um, you know, most of the great baseball players are not created in a lab in New York City. They're created in some third world country. Like, for guys, what more do you need to know than that? Um, because there's so much competition and so much drive and, and the human nature to succeed there. Um, what, who do you think would win? Google gets broken up. Who are the mm -hmm. biggest winners and business wise, if Google's broken up. So not to say the people win, I know I've, I've 
driven that in sure. part. <laughs> I mean, I think that the easy answer there is probably Microsoft with their Bing product, which is number two now. Um, and I would say you're, uh, if, if Google is the only one broken up, the big winners would ultimately be at least initially Amazon, Microsoft, uh, the other big guys, because they have the resources and ability to jump into those spaces right away. <laughs> now you're depressing me. You're saying if Google gets broken up, these other giant monopolies will win. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> now I'm saying don't it, break up Google. Forget about it. <laughs> I mean, but they are looking at, at breaking them up as well. Uh, look, because the reality is we don't know exactly who's going to take over that space. Right. We know that these major companies have the resources to jump in very quickly, but we don't know if any of those products, any of those services will get the critical mass that a brand that a brand new a brand new competitor will. For all we know, VC firms and entrepreneurs will say there's a, like if you're if you're a VC firm and you get a pitch for search, you're not taking that pitch right now in a million years. But in 12 <laughs> months, maybe That's, you do. That doesn't even make sense, a pitch for search. <laughs> I have a brand new search engine competitor, and I'm going to go direct head-to-head versus Google. No I have a search, engine, a search engine idea for a better search engine. Yeah, no it's, one's going to take that on. It's so laughable. Maybe in 12 months. Yeah. Okay. Now, what about – so that's – we're talking about businesses. So – Big businesses, you break up Google. It isn't like, oh, poor big businesses. Now they're all devastated. They're, and Microsoft is laughing like, ha, ah, yeah, I guess we're going to step back in. The guys who got broken up before. The, yeah, they've been down this road before. Now you're getting broken up and they're like, oh, I guess it, this little, this regulation or this parody isn't so, isn't so bad. Um, you know what? A, when you're on the chopping block, you don't like it. No. You know, um, a big winner might be, there are these programmatic services now that sort of aggregate data. Um, like you have Simplify, you have these other DSPs. I can definitely see them aggregating data across different search platforms so that as a marketer, right, you know, if in 12 months, like right now I have one major PPC ad service platform that I know is going to hit 90% of that market if I want to engage in ads there. But if in 12 months I have 12 different competing services, there's going to be more of an effort and requirement on my part to hit this, to be able to reach the same amount of users that I would now. And it's going to be just harder. I think as smart marketers, we would want to, but there's going to be this open space for, a ad, for an ad aggregator where we have access to every single platform and rather than manage 12 different networks, 12 different platforms, 12 different campaigns and blah, 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 you sort of come to us and we aggregate data across all of them, plus all of the mini networks that, that we offer now. And then they can offer geofencing and some of these other add-ons that right now Google doesn't use. Is, is this gonna be, so when it comes for, who's this good for, is it gonna be better or worse for large businesses, small businesses, is this going to allow large businesses to lock down um, markets more in their favor or less? Is it going to create a bunch more work for small businesses where before they could just go in and put a hundred dollars into Google AdWords and things happened and now they got to go to 20 places? Um, that I think that, is the most interesting question here because right now if you are a small business 
you don't have to understand keyword research. You don't have to, you barely have to know how these things function. And Google has a platform and a service offering that will auto-generate and handle all of this for you. It's not necessarily the most effective, um, but you can do it. The flip side of that coin is that Google's PPC competition is so high that you may need to spend a lot more to get your service offering out there and a larger company may outbid you anyway. They'll just so, buy up all the good keywords, right? Yeah, so you may not be able to do anything despite how easy their service is, you may have zero options. So I, I think there's definitely gonna be a big option for the, the- I think you should hope they get broken up, Matt, cause I just, I just had this thought, you know who's gonna be the big winners, I think, if they get broken up? Companies like Emerald Digital. <laughs> as long as we don't get taken off the web. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, if you get taken off, they probably won't get broke. That's them shutting everything down. If people hear that's, this, that's then you guys are gonna be in good shape because, and I, it's just, just dawned on me. Um, what we're saying here is it may be more work for small businesses to get everything out there, but it may be mm -hmm. more, much more effective um, to get it out there, but they may not have all the expertise in the, now you have multiple areas, marketplaces you have to go to, but there are companies that handle that for you. And those are agencies. Yeah. So yeah. That's exactly They get a lot more work with this kind of, with this kind of breakup with more options out there, you need experts to make sense of those options. When you just have the one place you go and get in line to get toilet paper, you don't need anybody to, you know, you don't need a, 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 a shopper to go out and help you with your shopping. You get in one line and you get what you, you only get. have the one ply option. There is no two ply option. <laughs> but if all of a sudden there's 35 different ply, ply options, which one is best for you. I mean, that is one of the benefits that we always say. We do this all day, every day. We've worked with every single platform. And if there's more and more platforms, look, business owners, at least the ones that we work with, the thing that unites us is we're all incredibly busy. We have a lot of worries. You, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're in the same boat. We worry about payroll. We worry about our families. We worry, we worry about clients and we're always putting fires out, right? So Google has this excellent self-service option for a small business owner to jump in the pot. It may not work amazingly, but at least they can sort of, you know, throw the money on like the table and kind of get it in like the ring. If it's a, a much more complicated offering, then maybe at that point they say, hey, help me out. I need a consultant. I need an agency. I need some sort of expert to help me make the most of my money. So I'm holding up my notes from the episode for documentation here to show <laughs> that uh, I, I'm not sure if you pulled a Jedi mind trick on me, but it was not pre-planned for me to bring this episode back <laughs> around to promoting you and your service in that yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely appreciate that, it. That was not in the notes. It just, it, it just kind of, uh, kind of happened that um, I guess that's the position of, of agencies and that's the ultimate, will small businesses win? Will big businesses win? Will everybody win? You know, who's going, agencies will be more necessary when there is more going on in the marketplace because you need somebody to make sense of it. Um, you need somebody who knows the landscape. You need a guide in the wild, wild west. You don't need a guide, well, you know, when you're in the uh, geocities world.
Yeah, you know, if you're on a pre-planned nature trail and the signs are already there, you can take the kid and just walk along and it'll kind of guide you where you need to go. But when you're on the lazy river in Disneyland, you do not need uh, to, to pay a guide. You just need to pay Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, man, I've been thinking about Disneyland way too often. Yeah, but if you want to go <laughs> down the rapids in the Grand Canyon, you might uh, need somebody to, uh, you might to, need to take you through. Yeah. And, and, you know, not only us, but I think you guys as a data provider would be in an interesting position as well. Because right now Google has access to every single data point ever. Mm. And in, in a potential split, you know, right now their major strength lies in scale and getting all of this data that, that that scale provides to them. And we need data, you know, so marketing and B2B and all, all of this communication, it's this marriage of essentially creative, but also data analysis behind it. And if that data is, be, is going to become harder and harder to come by, we still need to make informed decisions. Yeah, we we, we provide right data input. outside the walls. Google would no, love nothing more than to make people's ability to use the type of information and practices we use for to assist people's marketing. They want to bring that all inside their walls. It doesn't matter for us because after what I said about Zoom Info earlier, our company's <laughs> gone before this episode. Anyway, but... <laughs> Um, We're just angering everyone today. Yeah, we, we provide the information for people to use themselves. That doesn't exist if there is not an open marketplace um, for people to go and use it. Uh, if the channels, they would then put that out in. If, if you only have an option to do a Facebook ad or a Google ad or you know, w- one of those type of things inside the walls, companies like us go away. Companies like you go away. Nobody needs an agency when there's just three areas you can click to get your message out. Yeah, if it's just um, a one, two, three, then yeah. who's not able to sign on and then in 15 minutes make that happen? Then you have all AK-47s and no Ford trucks. Yeah. <laughs> what a world. <laughs> all right. I think uh, we have got to find an end to this episode because it is not going to end on its own, Matt. Um, there is way too much we can continue to get ourselves in trouble with here. Um, one thing we didn't even touch on section 230 and how that fits in. So just the listeners who are sitting there pulling their hair out saying, what about section 230? That exists also. Yes. Uh, any quick comments on that one? Stay tuned for part two. Check us out <laughs> next week. Yep. Matt, where can people find you? We've got emerald.digital. Yes, we are www.emerald.digital, E-M-E-R-A-L-D.digital, and there's no .com. Fantastic. And then, of course, you can find Matt on LinkedIn on our show notes. We'll have uh, all the information on Matt and, uh, and his company, assuming we still exist by the time this airs or that either of us have a web presence anymore. Um, again, we love you, Google. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, look up the show notes, ifyoumarket.com. Please uh, share us on social media. Tell a friend. Google us. See if we still show up. And uh, give us a good review on iTunes. We didn't say anything bad about Apple today. Huh? I love you, paid. Apple. Yeah, we love you too, Apple. Just to say, hey, Apple, don't do bad things. Don't do bad things. The M1 chip looks great. On behalf of the If You Market team and Matt Berman of Emerald Digital, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it and don't piss off all the wrong people, they will come.
If you're not always on the lookout for new data sources for your sales and marketing, you're just not doing your job. I've got great news for you though. You can go to topdatasearch.com, sign up for a free Top Data Search account, and use promo code IYM500 to get 500 contact download credits. Again, that's topdatasearch.com and promo code IYM500. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.